Have you guys ever bought something that required assembly that you had to put together? You guys ever did that, right? Like, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, something like a piece of furniture that you bought at Ikea or whatever you had to put together, a closet or like a, a nightstand or something, or maybe a toy. Uh, we, we were in Hershey this week and my son Christian, he bought a box that came with a bunch of little tiny pieces. He loves to like build, I don't know, robots or something, you know, so he bought this thing and, and to, to put together and there's all these little pieces and you guys know what comes inside of that box. If you buy furniture, if you buy a toy, what comes inside that box to help you? Instructions, right? Without those instructions, it's very difficult to try to build anything, right? To try to build this closet or this shelf or, you know, this nightstand or this toy without the instructions. Now, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that read the instructions and there's people that don't. Which one are you? Which one are you? Do you like to read the instructions and follow along? All right, A goes with B and C goes with D. Or do you kind of work on the fly? Well, there's some things that without instructions, it can be daunting, right? It can be difficult to try to build without the directions. We started this new series last week called Rebuild. And what we mentioned was that uh, after 70 years, 70 years, the people of God, Israel, uh, was in captivity, were held captive by the Babylonians. They finally returned home, and the temple is in shambles. Of course, not only the temple, their city, the city of Jerusalem, their homes were destroyed, but specifically the temple is in shambles. God tells them to build the temple, and they begin to, uh, to lay down the foundation, but then they face some obstacles, and they give up, and they leave the temple, and people neglect the temple of God. Remember last week we mentioned that the temple of God was representative of the very presence of God. It's where people would go and to repent of sin and, and lay down sacrifices. And, and it's where God met His people and where the people atoned for their sins and, and where there was fellowship and community in the temple courts. And so the temple was representative of all this, the very house of God, and they, the people neglected. And so God raises up a leader. He raises up a prophet to speak to them the prophet Haggai, he tells them it is time to rebuild. And Swerve Church, let me just kind of repeat something I said last week, and that is that I really believe that God is telling us as well that it is time to rebuild. I understand, and I know because I've experienced it as well, that the past 12 months has done a number on you to your own personal life. Be it, you know, be it maybe emotionally or mentally, I know for sure spiritually, in some ways socially, and even physically, as can even like be around and do as much exercise and movement as we really want. And so it's done a number on each and every single one of us. But God is telling us that it is time to rebuild. It is time to rebuild. It is time to rebuild your life. It is time to rebuild your spiritual life and to draw close to God and to, and, to be, and to be more Christ-like and to study God's Word and to pray. And guys, corporately as the church, it is time to rebuild. But it can be daunting. Like Israel. Imagine Israel coming back and looking at all the, all the rubble of what used to be the house of God, of what used to be the temple. And now all they see is rocks, the curtain used to hang here and it's all ripped and torn down. And so imagine coming to see what used to be the house of God and now all completely destroyed. You're like, where do I start? Where do I begin? How do I begin to build this? But luckily for Israel and for us, God gives his blueprint. 
He gives his instructions so that you don't have to build a nightstand alone or the shelves. He gives us instructions so we don't have to rebuild our lives, our spiritual life, or this church alone. So for the rest of our time, I got four things that I want to go over with each and every single one of you guys that is, I believe, God's blueprint for rebuilding. Okay, here's number one, if you're taking notes. Walk in obedience. The first step in rebuilding, in God's blueprint, is to walk in obedience. One of the biggest challenges for the people of God and you can read this all throughout the Old Testament, all the time, it was obeying God. You see, the people of God, they knew who God was. They had heard His voice. They even seen God work and move. And they understood. But none of that, knowing, seeing, or hearing, didn't necessarily translate to them doing anything. And you can repeat, you see this over and over in the Old Testament, they knew the God of the Bible. They had heard him speak. They had seen him move, but yet they did not obey. But let's not kid ourselves here, because this is our story as well. For the most part, you know, perhaps everybody in this room, you know who God is. And you know what he's called you to do. And you know what he's asked you to do. But the problem is not how much you know. The problem is what we live out. But this time, something clicked in the minds of the Israelites. I want you guys to read it in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, remember guys, last, time I to- last week I told you guys the trick to reading these tough names is just to read it really quickly and nobody will tell the difference. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people, what did they do? What's that word? They obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai. They obeyed. They obeyed. Guys, obedience requires listening. And it also requires action. It's not just hearing. Listen, a lot of us in this room, we have good intentions. We have great intentions. But guess what? Good intentions does not rebuild. You cannot rebuild with good intentions. Many of us have good desires. God, this is what I really want. I really want to draw closer. I really want to be this way. I really want to draw close to Christ and read my Bible more. But guess what? You cannot rebuild on good desires. Some of us are really good at note-taking and we're really good at listening to sermons and we're really good at nodding our heads and saying amen. But guess what? You cannot take enough notes or say amen enough in order to rebuild what God has called you to. You see, rebuilding requires us to process the information of what we've heard and then allow God's truth to so penetrate our hearts that it actually compels us and moves us to action. And so the question for us this afternoon is, are you walking in obedience? Are you walking in obedience? You see, many of us, we are convicted super convicted by what we read in the Bible, by what we hear in a a sermon or in a podcast or a song. But that conviction is not enough to move us to action. And so it's not enough to be convicted. And this is the problem that I believe many of us face. It's not that we don't have enough knowledge. It's not that we don't understand enough of the Bible. It's not that we don't know. We live in a time where we have access to more information and knowledge than ever before. So you can tune into a preacher that's way better than me 
and a podcast on your phone. And you can listen to seminary levels of teachings on the Bible on YouTube. So knowledge isn't the issue that we have here. But we've been educated beyond our obedience. We know, but that doesn't move us to action. Israel finally moved to obedience. They didn't only hear God. They didn't only know of Him. They didn't only see Him. They were finally moved to obedience. What about you? God's blueprint requires us to walk in obedience. Number two, God's blueprint for rebuilding means that we stand in awe. We stand in awe. One of the reasons for disobedience is a lack of awe in who God is. When we lack reverence, when we lack respect, when we lack a fear of God, a healthy fear of God, we tend to tune out His voice and outright disobey. And this is one of the big issues that we are all faced with regularly. We face with growing complacent and losing awe of God. I want you guys to think about this. God is the God of the universe. He created everything with His very words. And the God of the universe that created everything, that created the sky and the clouds and the trees and, and, and the molecules that make you and I up and, 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 and composed and put everything together with His very words, that God, He knows you by name. And then He redeems mankind by entering His own creation and willingly dying on a cross for our sin. That God. But something happens when you step into a routine. When you step into the mundane, same old, everyday routine, you lose awe of who God is. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. And this is something that changed in the hearts and the minds of the people of Israel. Let's pick it up from where it says, uh, The people obeyed the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai. Because their Lord, their God, has sent him. So the people what? What did they do? The people feared the Lord. You see, guys, something finally happened in the minds of the people. They realized that God, the Almighty God, was talking to them. I want you guys to think about this for a second. God sends them a message to communicate to his people. And what he's telling his people, he's like, guys, I want to be close to you. I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. I want to draw near to you and I want to be present. You see, all that was communicated in the rebuilding of the temple. Build my temple. Build the house of God. It was God communicating, I want to be with you. I want to be close. And the people's response? The people's response was yare. Let me hear you guys say yare. Because that's the Hebrew word that's translated there, the fear of the Lord. Would you, I have a slide, Junior, would you put that up there? This is the definition of yare. It's the Hebrew word to stand in awe of. And here's what it literally means. The literal concrete me meaning of this Hebrew word is a flowing of the gut. It's a flowing of the gut. In other words, it's a gut level fear that they felt of the Lord. 
the best way that I can try to describe it to you is, have you guys ever been to like the edge of a, of a building and a high up? Maybe if you've been to the top of the Empire State Building and you look down, or uh, if you ever go on a roller coaster and the roller coaster is climbing up, 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 up slowly, and then it gets to the tippy top right before it drops down. You know that feeling that you feel in your, in your, in your gut? Or what about, have you ever been at the foot of a mountain, massive mountain or a huge tree? Not like a little tree that you see, like a massive tree. Have you ever been at the foot of a mountain? You know how you feel so tiny and small? That's yare. That's the, the gut level feeling. And this is what finally the people of God had finally understood. Yare of God. The fear of the Lord. You know, unfortunately for us, we lose yare of God. And when you lose the fear of the Lord, the respect, the awe, of God, you lose the willingness to obey. You lose the willingness to work. You lose the willingness to walk out God's purpose in your life and His plan. And guys, we can be encouraged by the fact that the same God that spoke to the people of Israel is speaking to us. The same God that invited them into, that invited the people into His mission speaks to us and invites us into His mission as well. So the question is, how will you respond? You see, if we genuinely stand in awe of Jesus, naturally the outcome of that is obedience. If you stand in yare of God, how do we stand in awe? Remember what Jesus did. Jesus walked on water. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He rose the dead to life. And then he saw a wretch like you. He saw a wretch like me. And he took my place on the cross of Calvary and he rose from the grave and he gave me life. And that should produce in you yare. It should produce in you awe. And if you have this awe, if we stand in awe, then the natural outcome is obedience. Here's number three. God's blueprint for rebuilding is to sit in God's presence. Sit in God's presence. You know, it can be intimidating to start something new. If, uh, if you start maybe a new venture, a new, a new business, or a new school, or a new job, and it can be intimidating if you, if you do that by yourself. But there's something very comforting if, uh, if you bring someone with you. You know, even if, uh, obviously, if you're starting a new school, you know, they can't go to school with you, but they can walk you to the door. Or if you start a new job, you know, they can't go to work with you, but you send a text message or a phone call, there's something comforting about just knowing that somebody is with you when you start something new. Now, I imagine for the people of Israel, this is a big task. They got to rebuild the temple of God. And they got to reconstruct this thing. And so imagine, they, they have not only the, the big task of building this building, but then they have the opposition of enemies that do not want to see them succeed. And they got the rubble of what used to be, and there's mess and trash everywhere. That's why I love that part of God's blueprint for rebuilding was this. Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. Read these next four words with me. Ready? Go. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. That's why I love that part of God's blueprint is that I am with you. It's like God is saying, listen, I know that this is a big task. I know that this is going to be difficult. I know that you're going to face opposition. I know that you're going to, you might even be distracted, but I am with you. I am with you, giving you strength. 
in order to pick up those tools to begin the construction on the house of God. I'm with you, giving you protection from those enemies that are coming to threaten you. I'm, I'm with you, giving wisdom to the engineers and, and the workers on how to construct this building. I'm with you, giving you faith that this building is not just any ordinary building, but it is the house of God, the presence of God where I dwell, the house of repentance. And so long God is present in our lives that we can have faith. If God is present, then you can, have, you can have trust and you can have assurance if God is in it. When God is present, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry. Not even opposition. Hardship, if God is with you, don't worry about it. Struggle, if God is with you, it's going to be okay. A pandemic? If God is with you, Amen. you have nothing to fear. Amen. Now, if God is not in it, get me far away from you, okay? If you're doing something that God has not blessed and that God is not calling you to do, you see, this is the struggle that many of us face, and that is that we're trying to make things that, God, that is not a part of God's will. We're trying to make things happen, and it's not His heart. And we try to do it out of our own ways. And we're like, God, come follow me, God. I got a great plan for my life, God. I want you to come bless my mess. Come and follow me. But God doesn't work that way. And if that's your attitude on how you're going to live life or how you're going to walk out your faith, then, then God, God is not going to bless that. It's not going to work out. But this is something that I, I've said over the years and my years in ministry over and over again, and I live it and I live by it. And that is that the safest place to be is smack dab in the middle of God's will. And if God will call you to preach the gospel in Afghanistan to a bunch of Muslims, in that obedience, that's the safest place for you to be. Smack dab in the middle of God's will. Wherever it is, it's the safest place to be. If in the middle of God's will, we're walking in obedience, God promises, I am with you. And I know for us guys to, to rebuild this church after what has happened, over these past 12 months with the pandemic and, and so much going on in people's lives, it's going to be hard work. But listen, God is with us. And number four, the last thing for today, God's blueprint for rebuilding is to work with enthusiasm. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. What's your attitude when you get up in the morning to go to work? You got a job to do. Do you, uh, do you drag your feet? Do you curse the day? Like, no, I got to go to work again today. Are you angry? Are you bummed? Are you like borderline depressed? If, uh, let's say that is your attitude every day when you get up to go to work, what does that attitude do to your work? What does that do to your productivity? What does that do to your effectiveness? If that's your attitude. Do you think that there's a correlation between how productive you are at work and your attitude towards getting up to go to work that morning? I think so. It's kind of like when we tell our kids to do a chore, right? I tell my kids, hey, go, you know, clean up the mess. Go put away your coat. Go take out the trash. Like, you know, they bad attitude and just drag their feet and angry and huff and puff. Melody's favorite thing is in a second, in a second. Over and over again. But we can be like that as well, right? 
But when the attitude is in the right place, it changes everything. If you wake up with the right attitude and you go to work with that attitude, you become more productive at work. In fact, the time can even go by faster. You put a more positive outlook. And maybe your coworkers, you make more friends than you do enemies if you have the right attitude. And so that's why I find it so interesting that this is a part of God's blueprint. Look it up. Look at it at uh, Haggai chapter 1, verse 14. The Lord roused the spirit of Zerubbabel, and he roused the spirit of the high priest Joshua, and he roused the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they began to work on the house of the Lord of armies. You know, I love the New Living Translation of this verse right here. Instead of where it says, roused the spirit, the New Living Translation says, God sparked enthusiasm. Sparked enthusiasm. Why would God spark enthusiasm in the lives of the leaders and of the people in order to construct the temple? Maybe because with enthusiasm, you work with excellence. You put your best foot forward. You do the best job that you possibly can. Maybe because with enthusiasm, you work with a good attitude, despite any obstacles, despite any hardships. And maybe because with enthusiasm, it, it changes your outlook. It changes your why. You don't view, you know, what you do for you, but you view what you do as unto God. And it changes your complete outlook and you're motivated. Is that your attitude? Is that your outlook when it comes to fulfilling God's call? When it comes to rebuilding? Is that your outlook? And unfortunately for many of us, we're unmotivated. We're like my kids when I ask them to do a chore, dragging our feet, sucking our teeth, rolling our eyes, and we're unmotivated. But look at what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 says. Would you guys read this verse out loud with me? It's on the screen. Ready, go. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Amen. Work with enthusiasm. Let me encourage you guys to rebuild enthusiastically. Rebuild your life, your spiritual life. Rebuild this church enthusiastically. Why? Because of Yare. Because of the awe of God. Because the God of the universe chose you. And the God of the universe appointed you to partake in his mission of seeking and saving the lost, of making disciples of all nations, and of bringing a slice of the kingdom of heaven here to earth. So we can work with enthusiastically, with enthusiasm. Now in a second, I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion, uh, but I wanted to connect some of the dots for you guys here in this passage. You see, God's blueprint was for us to walk in obedience. Aren't you glad that Jesus walked in obedience to endure the cross for you and for me, that he didn't reject the cross, but he picked up the cross. God's blueprint for rebuilding is that we stand in awe. And we can stand in awe because of God's love that was demonstrated through Jesus for each and every single one of us. God promised that he would be with us. And we have that promise and we can partake in that promise because on the cross Jesus was forsaken for our sins. And in God's blueprint, he calls us to work with enthusiasm. Jesus enthusiastically endured the cross 
The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross on our behalf. Jesus lived his life with excellence. His death was perfect. His resurrection was powerful. His work, complete. You know why? Because God enthusiastically loves you. Because he loves me. And so rebuilding is hard work. But praise God that he's given us a blueprint that we can follow. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite you guys to partake in communion. I have a song I would love for you guys to listen to. If you know the words, sing along, worship along, or, uh, or just partake in communion and pray uh, there in your seats, however you feel comfortable and however you're led. The communion cups are in the back, and after we pray, as the song plays, you are more than welcome to participate in it. But let's pray this into our lives, guys. Let's pray as we rebuild that he would help us follow these blueprints. God, I pray. Uh, Lord, it's a challenge. It's difficult for many of us. But I pray you would help us to walk in obedience, God. And Lord, today we stand in awe of you, the God of the universe, the God that knows me by name, and the God that was willing to go whatever lengths in order to save me from my sin. God, I thank you that you are with us. And God, we want to go where you say we should. We want to do, God, what you've called us to. So God, I pray you would course correct those areas in our lives where we are stubborn and want to do things in our own way. And lastly, God, would you help us work with enthusiasm Lord, as we're doing it unto you, not for ourselves, but that we're working unto you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.